You're listening to News Link Live Uncensored. Real, entertaining journalism. Minus the corporate pandering, self-censoring, mealy-mouthed reporting of the mainstream media. Here's your host, Genevieve Di Natale. All right, so bodybuilding. Why are all the bodybuilders dying, Doc? Well, I'll tell you what, Jen. Um, I don't have the I don't have the the full answer. I'm sure there's uh, many reasons why these guys are just dropping dead suddenly. Um, but keep in mind this, okay? These guys aren't dying at the age of 75, 80, 85 from either natural causes or heart attacks or strokes. These are guys that are uh, typically in the prime of their life, late 20s, early 30s, some are in their mid to late 30s, and they're, uh, they're succumbing to heart attacks and strokes and other um, atypical causes of death for somebody their age. Um, so, you know, over the past uh, probably three to five years, there's been dozens of, of uh, elite bodybuilders that have passed away uh, unexplainably. And, and, you know, it's kind of shocked the, uh, the bodybuilding world. Um, and again, these guys were young. And so, you know, I know there's probably a lot of talk amongst the uh, bodybuilding community as to, you know, what might be going on and, and whatnot. But I have some theories of my own, uh, having had, uh, you know, over 30 years experience lifting weights and training in, in, in various degrees, whether it's bodybuilding or powerlifting. Um, and and I, I think there's several factors that, uh, that need to be addressed. And, and, and I hope that, that people would get out of this uh, podcast that you're doing, that uh, they, need to, they need to be training uh, a little bit smarter than they have been. And um, we'll get into the different uh, nutritional aspects of this and, and other uh, supplemental aspects of this that a lot of bodybuilders partake in. But, uh, you know, as you know, bodybuilding is, is unlike a lot of other sports, dependent on your physique. Uh, you know, interior linemen in football or linebackers, uh, you know, they can carry a lot of weight and they have, uh, you know, 25, 35% body fat and uh, they're still capable of performing, you know, adequately. But in bodybuilding, these guys have to be uh, as close to 0% body fat as possible. That brings out the vascularity in their, their muscles. Uh, vascularity are, are positive points to judges, okay? So uh, they don't want to see somebody that's soft up there compared to somebody next to them that's, you know, ripped to shreds and vascular all over, okay? Um, so, so one thing is vascularity. Another thing is, is size, you know? Uh, somebody that's 200 pounds standing next to somebody that's 270 pounds that has the same degree of vascularity are going to look different. Um, the guy that's 270 pounds is going to look like a, an absolute monster compared to uh, the 200 pounder, you know, even, even though the 200 pounder looks phenomenal. So, you know, there's size, bulk, vascularity, 
And uh, there, there's a lot of things that go into that. Uh, first of all, let me just backtrack one second. I don't think it's humanly possible. I don't think it's genetically possible to attain that sort of physique without the use of some sort of anabolic stimulant, okay? And we're talking about anabolic steroids. We're talking about human growth hormone. We're talking about uh, selective uh, androgen receptor uh, modulators. They're called SARMs, S-A-R-M-S. Uh, <clears throat> Doc, for those who don't know, what's an anabolic steroid? How does that work? Is it, <clears throat> so it, 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 the, is that functioning without oxygen or something? I don't know. Well, anabolic steroids are, to, to keep it simple, um, the, the male and to a, a far lesser degree, the female organism, let's call it, um, they're equipped with hormones that are essential for metabolic function. And in the males, uh, testosterone is predominant male hormone that governs muscle growth, uh, other metabolic functions. It governs the maturation of sperm cells. And um, so it has a very important role in, in the system. Um, when, it, when, a, when an adolescent hits uh, puberty, there's a surge in testosterone. And what do you see at about that same time? You see a change in their, their body structure. There's muscle tone, there's hair growth, deepening of the voice and, and a, a maturation of their physique and body, so to speak. So anabolic steroids are basically synthetic, meaning they're, they're made in a laboratory and they're made in such a way that they resemble the male hormone testosterone. And they're available in various forms, either an oral tablet form or an injectable form that goes into the muscle. They call that uh, intramuscular injection. And they differ, uh, you know, depending on the route that they are given, they differ in terms of what they do, uh, the strength of, of their uh, effectiveness, and how long they stay in the system, how they're metabolized, and how they're eliminated in the body. And with that comes potential side effects. So uh, anabolic steroids in a nutshell are, are basically what is described. Well, um, I'm not an expert on the subject, but you know, I was, I was an All-American wrestler and I did wrestle back in the day. And I, um, one of my wrestling partners was a uh, professional bodybuilder who was a woman and she her name's Jen Broomfield, and she actually went on to do some serious professional work. Um, and she naturally, she was really ripped. I don't even think she was doing steroids. She just had, she had a six pack and she had biceps mm -hmm. and they were gigantic. And she was lifting all the time, doing high reps, low weights all the time, mm -hmm. constantly lifting. And uh, she wrestled at 125. And when she'd go out, the guys would freak out because they'd see her and be like, oh my God. But here's the weirdest thing. The weirdest thing about bodybuilders is that I was actually physically stronger than she was. I was more concerned with cutting weight to get down to 103 pounds. And when I would wrestle her, I'd just turn her like this. But if you looked at me and then you looked at her, you, you'd think, you know, that she was actually 
stronger, but it wasn't, it was just the way that she had puffed herself up with the exercise and the nutrition. And yep. I did, I did have a, a bodybuilding diet at one point in time. It was just, it was brown rice and chicken breasts in mm -hmm. six, like small portions. And I did it six times a day because that's what Jen Broomfield had me do. What I thought with the problem with that, what I thought the problem with, with bodybuilding was, was that one minute you're kind of average and you're sort of normal and you got some muscle. And then when you prepare for the tournaments, they, they, you know, you stop eating and then you pull it, you stop all the salt. So then your muscles pop out and then you're working out too much. And it's, and then when you stop the, the training, then the muscle becomes fat. Okay. That's what I noticed in my biceps, you know, I went during wrestling season, I'd had, I actually had some biceps and then after wrestling season, it just dropped into fat. It was a lot of change. You know what I mean? So I, it's a, it's kind of like a, too much of a shock to the system, regardless of whether you're using steroids or not, because people use all sorts of substances all the time. I don't even think that's necessarily what's killing people per se. It, it's just that this, this kind of striving for the perfection of these things and the way that they have to prepare and what it calls for. And then they, you bulk up, right? So a lot of people bulk up and then drop down right after that. So you bulk up and then strip it out. And um, I don't think that's good for the body, you know? Well, you know, it, it, it's, uh, you're, you're right in, in some of, uh, some of your analysis in terms of, you know, what potentially could be um, harming these guys. But uh, getting back to your teammate there, you know, I mentioned genetics earlier, you know, your genetics can differ from hers in various ways. She might have a, a higher propensity for uh, muscular definition than you do. You know, I mean, it's not a matter of, of uh, you know, her doing something that, that you couldn't do. Uh, you could probably do the same exact workout as her and not look like her. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, I did. For, I did. for her, yeah. for her genetics. But explain why she wasn't, strong okay that's something that she looked like she had man she's actually a beautiful woman she had mm -hmm. these kind of manly biceps and she and and she had a legitimate six-pack abs and if she drank alcohol it would be digested as, as a carbohydrate she wouldn't even get drunk because she had yep. little sugar but at the same time she had no strength so all i had to do was just grab her head and armor go blue and mind you she was bigger than i was she was like 10 15 pounds bigger than i was at the time yeah. well you know to various types of training um muscular training or weight training are going to facilitate certain uh types of muscle that are created uh certain types of muscles that are um are, are worked that uh, are going to be either you know suited for heavy resistance as in a power lifter or somebody who um you know is going to actually define those muscles you know build large muscles and and have them defined you know high reps typically high reps and low weight versus uh low reps and high weight um that person's going to be stronger that lifts the heavier weight because their muscles are constantly um exposed to that their nervous system is adjusting to a higher load you know the nervous system in terms of strength has been a very overlooked uh factor in terms of training the the brain tra training the the nervous system to handle heavier loads so that that is kind of a, a short explanation as to 
you know, somebody who looks really strong, who might not be compared to somebody who doesn't look as good, but is a whole lot stronger. You know, we see that a lot in powerlifting. You got guys that are 350, 400 pounds that uh, can lift a house and, uh, you know, the, the bodybuilder that's all ripped shreds, it's 250 pounds uh, can lift half the amount of weight. So, and, you know, uh, on, uh, on the outset, it, it looks, uh, you know, confusing, but there's an explanation for it. It's a kind of bodily perfection that I don't quite quite understand the kind of the bodybuilding thing. I like I like it when I like the way it looks to a certain extent. Um, mm -hmm. But it's too supernatural to be attractive. I'm all for fake. I I like uh, certain plastic surgery procedures. I like the way it looks. Mm -hmm. I like makeup. I like things like that. I do like muscle, but I don't like it when it becomes it comes it becomes bilbous and you look like a a marshmallow and it's too much muscle and it. Yeah it's too much expulsion of muscle and weird ways. And I understand this kind of achieving a, a perfect ideal, but I almost prefer the ideal that you get from being thin, the thinness yeah. kind of ideal. Um, well, there, there's, uh, that, that's why they, they've, they've created certain um, uh, categories and within bodybuilding, this is probably in the last 10 or 15 years um, that are, you know, you, you get somebody that's in a, a quote unquote physique competition. And that's where you're going to get those uh, leaned out, uh, shredded uh, 215, 200 pound, uh, you know, guys that, that look fantastic. Those are your, those models that you see that have six packs and they're all ripped to shreds, but they're not overly bulked. And so they have different categories, but, you know, generally speaking, bodybuilding has been geared towards precisely what you just described, you know, that, that uh, metamorphosis, that, that freak look. Okay. And if you look over the past 25, 30 years of bodybuilding, there's been a dramatic transformation in not only size, but definition, vascularity. Um, you know, you go back to, I, I hate to use Arnold Schwarzenegger, but you know, you go back to his day, you know, back when, uh, Pumping Iron was made. I don't know if you're <laughs> old enough to even know what that movie was, but there was a movie called Pumping Iron back in, I think it was in the late 70s. Um, and those guys look absolutely nothing compared to the guys that are competing today. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, it's you know, I, I, I have a feeling it's probably a better uh, armamentum of, of steroids, that's number one. It might be a better diet. It might be, you know, different, uh, <clears throat> more scientific training approaches, et cetera. But and also they're different right? There are different standards now. Now it's it's always bigger and bigger and bigger, right? It just keeps yeah. escalating. And so I think yeah, maybe sizes, it wasn't the but, same kind of standard of bigness back then. It's just kind of, you know, exponentially yeah. gone up. Also, in addition to steroids, aren't there other kinds of um uh, supplements and powders that bodybuilders are using that they're just kind of manufacturing in their bathtub and stuff like that, that are also messing them up. Well, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not sure about the, the, the home brew uh, stuff that these guys are taking. Um, I would assume that, you know, many, many bodybuilders have sponsors. They have some form of income, um, 
they have their you know connections also and i'm, I'm sure that the, the stuff that they're getting is is um fairly pure i mean there could be some um additives in there or some fillers and whatnot or some other uh oils that might not be all that you know safe to take but you know the the, the thing with regards to steroids um you know, and it's not only steroids, I'll get into something else shortly here that, that I think is, is in part um, contributing to a lot of these guys uh, really getting sick. Um, but the steroids themselves are, you know, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of debate on, on the, you know, how, how harmful are steroids. And I, I mean, it's difficult to describe, but in, in, the, in the amounts that some of these guys are probably taking, it, it's probably harmful on their liver and some of their other organs. Because you keep in mind, um, a lot of the injectables, if not most or all of them, are, you know, they're all metabolized through the liver. And uh, over time, it's analogous to somebody who is an alcoholic. You know, you're overworking the liver to metabolize the alcohol uh, over time, they develop cirrhosis. And I think that there's probably some degree of liver damage that's occurring because of excessive uh, metabolic uh, function. Um, some of them may have uh, genetic predisposition to high cholesterol. Okay. And uh, anabolic ster steroids are known to negatively influence cholesterol levels, meaning they're going to raise them. So if somebody's at risk, if somebody has a high uh, propensity to develop elevated cholesterol, it's going to be worsened with the use of anabolic steroids. So that's, that introduces by itself a risk factor for coronary disease, um, not to mention the degree of fluid retention that uh, anabolic steroids can cause as a side effect, which in turn is going to contribute to high blood pressure, um, which is another risk factor for coronary disease. And so you start compounding these things at an early age. There's a lot of these guys start taking them fresh out of college if they go to college or in their early 20s when they when they're you know their normal testosterone levels are are certainly high enough to build muscle, um, but they're super saturating themselves on these drugs at an early age and they continue on for some five to 10, 15 years. And uh, over time it's, it catches up with them. And I think, so part of that picture is I think a lot of these guys are walking around hypertensive, high cholesterol. And if they have other risk factors like family history and whatnot, you know, three risk factors is, uh, is a very high risk to develop coronary disease. It's probably about 25 to 30% lifetime risk, which is high enough for me. Um, so some of these guys, I think, are succumbing to all of those complications that occur when you factor those things in. Um, the sheer body mass it changes and, and the way the, the heart has to adjust to that. Like one minute you're X Absolutely. weight and your their composition is this, and then suddenly you have no fat and then you're you've got bilbous muscles. I mean, isn't the, the heart going to react weirdly to that? Isn't that different? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the, the heart, uh, you know, the, it has to work against uh, resistance and muscles by themselves are, are a form of resistance to blood flow, especially ones that are all pumped up and large. And these guys are, are mammoth uh, to begin with. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a, that's a, a you know, an adverse uh, effect on the heart muscle itself, having to pump to uh, such a high resistance. You know, I think what's odd about bodybuilding itself is that it's not quite a sport and then it's not really a health and wellness thing either. It has this negative effect of, of like, you know, people doing steroids and blowing themselves up and so on. So um, people don't quite respect it the way they do a sport and you don't have the same kind of brute strength that you develop from football and wrestling. Um, it's, it's odd. It's just like, it's just a physique thing. And it's kind of like, I can yep. transform my fat ass into this, you know, a perfect specimen for, you know, a, a, for a show and walk around like that. And it, the other thing is that it's not even sexy. So after a while, it's, I know some people are into it and some people really like that look, but it's a very small minority. And after a while, <laughs> it's not even physically attractive anymore. So it right. just and then with the tanner, and then you, you got to layer on tanner on top of a real tan, and, and so you can see even more muscle. It's it's a little it's a little over the top in terms of a yes. kind of a, a seeking this kind of somatic perfection. And I'm all for somatic perfection, but I, I prefer to, to be sexy rather than muscle bound and weak. Well, you know, there there probably is some element of a a psychological influence on these guys once they reach a certain level that, you know, let's say they get off the steroids, which this happens probably a hundred percent of the time you get one of these guys that comes off steroids um, a year later, they don't look the same. Uh, they're flabby. Um, if you, if you get them, a lot of them maybe stop training or whatnot. They, they don't look anything like they used to look. Yeah. Okay? yeah. So, so it's all temporary. You know, I'm not one for temporary in terms of uh, fitness exercise. It's, it's uh, you know, I, I, I uh, in powerlifting, um, I once got a nice quote from one of the greatest powerlifters of all time, Eddie Cohn. And, and he said, um, you know, powerlifting is a marathon, not a sprint. Okay. And, and bodybuilding, in my mind, is more of a sprint than it is a marathon. Oh, yeah. Because these guys aren't going to be around. They're not going to look like that in 20 years. They're not going to look like that in 15, probably. Um, and as soon as they stop training, they're going to lose it all, you know. And a power lifter, on the other hand, yeah, they'll probably lose a lot of strength if they stop. But, you know, generally speaking, they're, they're not going to look all that different. They might lose some size. But, you know, bodybuilders these days and over the past, like I said, over the past few years, um, they've started introducing some other tactics to get even more defined and lose even more body fat and develop even more muscle. And, and now they're resorting to um, thyroid hormone, like Synthroid, levothyroxine. And none of, you know, a lot of these guys aren't even hypothyroid, which is a, a medical condition that would warrant using those medications but they're using them to increase their metabolism. Okay. Um, they're using insulin 
which is going to drive glucose into the muscle cells to allow them to perform even harder and longer. And, you know, that that's deleterious because um, many of them probably aren't checking their, their sugars with a glucometer, a little machine that can check your, your uh, blood sugar. Uh, so a lot of them may never know when they're hypoglycemic because that's what insulin does. It drives the glucose sugar that's in your bloodstream into the muscle cells and it, and it reduces the amount of sugar that's in your bloodstream. And some people can actually, you can actually die from hypoglycemia. It's a masochistic kind of activity. You know, working out is, it's like a positive masochism. So if you have a lot of self-hate then you're trying to work it out and you go work out, it hurts, it's painful. And, and then, and then you get a positive uh, effect from it, you know, and it seems like this, some of these bodybuilders are taking it to the extreme. And the, th the problem with lifting is that if you don't function off a place of working with your own natural weight and strength, then you have to keep that going. The second yeah. you stop, it turns into fat. The second you stop, it drops off and, and it's fat. Yeah, and, it, it. and it's like, and you got wings on your biceps and, and you got a weird gut and, and you look worse than you did before. And it's like that kind of hard fat, you know, and those mm -hmm. hard mm -hmm. your stomach kind of look, you know, so it's like, you got to keep that up. If you, if you really want to be a lifter and that's your thing, then you got to do it for the rest of your life. And it's better to do it yeah. with a kind of Pilates technique where you're, or, or like a medium intense yoga thing where you're using your body to build the muscle as opposed mm -hmm. to uh, lifting as much weight as you possibly can, you know, to, to, to kind of break, to tear the muscle and then have it rebuild and, and keep going, right? That's the whole process, mm -hmm. tear it up and then it keeps building and keeps building. Well, no, you, you bring into another, uh, this, this tearing up uh, statement you made, you know, muscles do break down when we train. So imagine the degree of muscle breakdown each and every workout that these bodybuilders go through. And, and I, I have to give them credit. They work their, their butts off to attain what they have. I'm not discrediting, discrediting any of their efforts at all. And, you know, I want to preface this also by saying, you know, I, I don't uh, deter anybody from using steroids. Um, I don't, uh, I don't try to give bodybuilding a bad name, but I do know that, you know, steroids should be taken with some medical supervision, with some knowledge of how they work, what they do. And, uh, you, know, you know, if they're going to use them, use them smartly. I have patients uh, that I routinely put on testosterone in my office for an indication because they have low testosterone. Okay. And I monitor their liver function tests every two to three months. I monitor their hormone levels about the same frequency. Uh, I monitor their, their chemistries, their liver function tests, their sugar, their, uh, their cholesterol. I mean, all of these things are monitored closely. And that's somebody that's on a very small dose of uh, testosterone every week or every two weeks, depending on what I have them on. So, you know, a lot of these guys are doing it, uh, I want to say haphazardly, um, just kind of saturating their bodies with all of these things. Uh, and they don't know what the heck's going on, you know, and, and you know, and, and it's not just men, you know, there's, there's a lot of women 
there's a women's bodybuilding as well. And, you know, some of these girls, a lot of them are, are also using um, the derivatives of testosterone are also using anabolic steroids to achieve those goals. And, you know, you mentioned something about muscle breakdown earlier. Um, you know, and the degree with which these, these bodybuilders work out, it's quite intense. And I believe uh, over time, I believe another contributor to some of these people passing away early is they develop chronic kidney disease. And, I, and a, a lot of them do. Um, there is a medical condition called uh, rhabdomyolysis. I know that sounds like a, a long name and whatnot, but basically what it is, is there is an excess amount of muscle protein that is spilled into the circulation that gets filtered by the kidney and also can adversely affect the muscles themselves because it creates an inflammatory state within the muscle and also intravascularly. So these people are at high risk of developing kidney disease over time because it's, you know, you think about it, you know, every time they work out, they're probably getting a low level of this condition, rhabdomyolysis. Um, and and there's, there's a reason why you see a lot of these bodybuilders. Take a look next time if you're on Instagram or wherever. A lot of these guys are walking around with these big jugs of, of water. Okay, these big uh, gallon, you know, milk gallons filled with water. They're drinking water during their workouts. And there's a reason behind that is that that will help prevent uh, rhabdomyolysis. Okay. Um, but over time, I think that's a contributing factor as well. Uh, the, the chronic inflammation that's in their system from rhabdomyolysis. That's interesting. I mean, so what's the prognosis then on bodybuilding? <laughs> well, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I think the prognosis of the sport is actually good because there, the interest level is, is always going to be high. Now there's monetary gains that are to be made from sponsors, from these competitions. A lot of them have a, a monetary uh, gain. You know, they have prize money involved. So to some of these guys, a lot of them that are the elite level, um, that's what they do for a living, you know, whether it's five years, 10 years, 15. And, and you know, some of the top, uh, bodybuilders can make uh, six figures or more, you know, with what they do. So they make a good living doing it uh, with sponsorship and, and their prize money. Um, but at what expense, you know, um, you know, the, one of the uh, most recent uh, bodybuilders passed away was only 29 years old. Uh, very popular Boston Lloyd, his name was, um, he was popular uh, on, on one hand because he spoke out uh, about his own anabolic steroid use and he brought it to light to the bodybuilding community. And then others didn't really care for him being so flagrant with regards to, uh, you know, it being known how extensive steroids are being used. But I do think that to answer your question, um, there is a, an understanding that there's risks involved in doing this. 
And I think a lot of them know that they're doing harmful stuff to their bodies, potentially damaging or even life-threatening, but they continue to do it for the for whatever reasons. Sadomasochism, I'd say, largely. Possibly, yeah. I mean, I I I mean I can't, I I don't know. You know, honestly, I I shake my head a lot to what a lot of these guys are doing. You know, not only in bodybuilding, but powerlifting. Like I said, I've been powerlifting for 30 years. I got out of it competitively in my early 20s because simply I couldn't compete with the guys next to me that were on anabolic steroids. I'm lifting 350 pounds uh, on the bench press or squatting 600 pounds or deadlifting 500 pounds. And, you know, guys next to me that uh, were, were lifting 100 or 200 pounds less than that a couple of years prior are now blowing me away. So, you know, I got out of it at an early age and uh, continued lifting and uh, naturally and uh uh you know just kind of sat on the sidelines you know i took all this in Got a lot of information and uh you know powerlifters these days um very much like bodybuilders the sport is saturated with uh, anabolic steroid use plain and simple you know the body natural the natural human body is capable of a finite amount of weight to be lifted and aesthetics to be obtained, period. You know, genetics can take you so far, but on top of that, to reach the outer levels, the elite levels, or even the above average levels, something has to be added, you know, and, and they don't understand that there's risks involved with doing that. Well, I, I've seen the natural bodybuilding uh, scene and compared it to the actual one, and there's just no comparison. I mean, the natural bodybuilding no. for women, it's just, it looks good, but it's, you know, and there's some muscle, but not really, you know? I mean, the yeah. average form pervades over the supernatural, so, you know, I, I don't yeah. I, I don't yeah, like Yeah, I, I prefer that natural look, too. That That's, you know, that's a, it's a, it's a good look, you know? It's fit. They're fit and they're healthy looking um, compared to, you know, these metamorphosized uh, creatures, you know. It's just, it's not hot when you have like 14 bumps coming off of your bicep. I'm just, <laughs> and, and, and you're like, you have like what appears to be overly tan skin. But I understand the kind of, you know, uh, your body's your temple and I'm transforming it into this perfect uh, thing. And I'm, you know, I grew up being the ugly duckling. I get that, you know, but yeah, not, right. it's not my cup of tea. If it were a sport, I think people would be less critical of bodybuilding, but it's not even a sport and they're not even strong. So, well, some of them are really strong though. Some of them are. No, they're not really <laughs> not athletes. The bodybuilders aren't athletes. They're not, they're, they're not. They're just like, well, they're like balloons. They're like, they look strong and they're not. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them are. Some of them are really strong, but I, I, I agree with you. I mean, they're not, they're not as strong as some of the power lifters for sure. You know, um, they're stronger than the average uh, guy that goes into a gym and lifts. And, you know, some of them can handle a lot of weight. Actually, uh, there was one guy named Ronnie Coleman who, um, who now, I'm not sure how he's doing, but he's got a lot of, a lot of um, 
physical, you know, disabilities with like arthritis and whatnot, but he still works out. But the, he, he was a power lifter and a bodybuilder. He's one of the greatest bodybuilders of all time. And he was super strong. This guy, he used to compete in powerlifting as well. But there's, you know, there are, there are uh, uh, some examples of strong bodybuilders. But yeah, generally speaking, um, I think the sport is uh, heading in, it's heading in the right direction on one hand for the benefit of the athlete, the, the bodybuilder. And on the other hand, um, there's a lot of uh, expenses that they have to pay that are, you know, regarding, you know, time off of their life that uh, they need to understand if they want to continue doing it this way. Um, they're cutting their life short. Well, let's move on to our next topic. Since we, you're a doctor, I think we can tap into a little bit of nutrition. Um, cheat days. Are they possible? You know, being naturally fat, I always feel like I'm maybe one or two days away from just going right back to that natural fat state. Is it possible to actually have a whole day where you just eat what you want to eat naturally, which for me would just be like donuts and fried fruit food throughout the day? Absolutely. The past, yeah. Well, no, in the past, what I've done is like I've been thin and then I have a day of eating and it was just, I ate a bagel once and gained five pounds. You know, I, I, I had a, and I went to McDonald's and, and then all the fat, I was just exactly the way I was before. And it's like, if you're not naturally thin, it just seems like you have to keep up exactly what you're doing. And if there's any, if you veer from that, it's just right back to what you were. Yeah. Doing. I mean, cheat days are, um, you know, people, people think of them as there's a couple ways to look at it. Um, a cheat day has the potential to affect you psychologically like oh my god that was so good you know how am i depriving myself of this so on one hand a cheat day might you know deter somebody to return back to their uh, healthy lifestyle of eating um but metabolically speaking cheat days are not really going to affect your ability to maintain your body weight or your new physique as long as you get back on the diet that you were on, okay? Um, your, your weight loss is, is kind of a simple um, uh, formula based on caloric intake in and caloric expenditure out, okay? So if, if you're taking in 1,500 calories a day and you're burning 2,000 a day, you're going to lose weight, okay? So a cheat day is going to introduce, let's say, another thousand or fifteen hundred calories that over the next several days or a week or two you're going to burn off again okay so it it really is it's not as harmful as you think and psychologically it might help some people to say yeah i can i can get away with this you know i can treat myself for all the hard work that i've been doing yeah, but how often should you do this? I mean, I don't think, I think once a week and then you're, you're going to be on a spiral of continuing to eat. Yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah. I, I think once a week is a little tempting and it, it has the potential to, um, in the long run, make you gain weight slowly. Okay. So let's take a six month period of time. And if you're on a cheat meal once a week, and that's an extra 
let's say it's an extra thousand calories, okay, over six months, that's going to be 24,000 calories extra that you will need to burn to maintain, okay, uh, which, you know, you can do the math on, on with regards to uh, what that's going to come out to in six months, but there's a good chance that you might gain two to three pounds or more and keep it there. If you're doing a cheat meal that frequently at that amount of calories. Just a meal, but not like a cheat day, like when you eat wherever, whatever you want. Okay. So yeah, a cheat day is, is, you know, that, I think that's what I was probably getting at. You're you're probably going to add an extra thousand calories to your overall intake, maybe more, you know? Uh, But yeah, I think a cheat day instead of a cheap meal is more deleterious obviously for for the reason that i just mentioned you're you're going to reset your your stable or your static body weight and your metabolism is going to act accordingly okay so your metabolism is going to go in the opposite direction of your your calorie consumption and expenditure okay um you want to lower your metabolism you eat a lot more unhealthy food, okay? You want to increase your metabolism because think about it. The thing that drives our metabolism are are, are, um, the organs and structures on our body that utilize glucose that burn fat. And that would be muscles and the liver and our fat cells, okay? So if, if we're limiting the amount of, excess, then we're more likely to keep our metabolism stable and be able to maintain our body weight. You know, again, it goes back to that marathon versus sprint thing. Um, You can cut weight um, very easily. There's, uh, you know, different things called, uh, you know, water cuts and whatnot that, uh, or some people do a dehydration type thing. Which getting back to those bodybuilders, a lot of them also dehydrate. We didn't even mention this, but but you were kind of alluding to it when they when you mentioned cutting all this weight. A lot of them get dehydrated to the point where they can go into acute renal failure too, and require and require intravenous fluid for resuscitation. Um, which uh, and that's happened frequently. See a lot of these bodybuilders uh, pass out backstage because they're completely dehydrated you know um but you know getting back to your question here um yeah cheat days uh i would i would say maybe every two weeks for a cheat day to be honest with you a cheat meal maybe once a week a cheat day every couple weeks shouldn't shouldn't you never have sugar though i just think that i mean sugar's addictive and once you get that in your system it's like a never-ending spiral of i want more sugar and then all of a sudden you're fat again yeah sugar's uh you know it's it it is uh you know low carb diets work okay for a reason um so glucose or sugar in your diet uh, is is going to contribute to the potential for more fat production. 
any glucose that really isn't utilized by the muscles or the liver to make glycogen is going to be utilized to make fat. Okay. And there's metabolic uh, chemical pathways in the body that are, that are used to, to manufacture fat from glucose. So yeah, uh, limiting your diet of glucose is definitely beneficial for weight loss and somebody who is interested in, in, uh, in, in a healthier lifestyle. And, and I would, I, I personally promote, uh, you know, low carbohydrate diets to most of my patients as well. And, and certainly to diabetic patients, uh, I think all of them should be on, you know, 50 grams or less, uh, glucose a day. So covert contracts in relationships. Have you ever done this with the girl, Doc? Like, covert, covert, yeah, what? covert contracts. You know, it's like a guy says Netflix and chill. And, uh, you know, that means you're going to have sex with them. But he doesn't say that explicitly. Oh, is that what or, that means? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or if, uh, you know, a, a hobosexual, as my favorite re relationship advice, guru Deborah... Um, uh, Cooper would say, uh, thinks that, you know, he's going to move in to your place if you start oh. a relationship, but he doesn't tell you that that's what the plan is. So these covert contracts, um, how do women avoid them? Well, I, I think you have to, you know, obviously, and again, this is coming from a, a sincere guy, um, how sincere are you though on a scale of one to ten? Anytime anyone says I'm sincere, I, I'm honest, that means they're lying. So you automatically you know, from, have a lying from, category. From, my, from in the past, I may have been three or four, you know, <laughs> 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've learned a lot over the over the years and and certainly uh uh you know relationships uh are you know they're they're important in terms of uh you know keeping both parties uh, uh, satisfied and happy. And so, you know, these contracts, what I was going to say is, you know, I think women definitely you should have your radar up and, and be reading this guy or whoever you're dealing with to kind of get signals as to whether they're, you know, one form or another in terms of, you know, where they're going to ultimately be uh, taking it. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, a lot of guys probably would assume that if they're talking to, to a girl and, you know, they're getting good vibes back and forth, that it's going to lead to something um, physical, you know, um, and, and, you know, girls, on the other hand, I think are, are more emotional. They want that kind of sense, sense of, of security and, and, and psychological and emotional attachment with the guy and you know that's not what most guys are thinking you know so you, you have to be able to discern uh who you're dealing with or what type of guy you're dealing with you know the sincere person as i was referring to is somebody who's going to put your needs first your emotional needs your psychological needs okay your your, your overall sense of well-being that's not a physical well-being that's a, a psychological in, in, in uh, mental well-being for the most part. I'm not speaking for you. I mean, you can elaborate yourself, but 
that that's a more sincere approach to to relationships. Well, it seems like uh, you know, with a lot of guys, they kind of go into a situation assuming that they're going to get something immediately out of it, and women kind of like live in hope and kind of give of themselves freely where they're getting nothing in return in part because of societal expect expectations in part because of mothering roles and so on. Um, so how does a woman figure out what a guy's motivations are when he starts dating, if it isn't just obviously sex, because that's easy to suss out because generally speaking, you know, the guys will, they'll hang around, they'll talk to you, go on a date. If you don't hear from them again, it's usually because they just wanted to hook up, honestly. So. Well, you know, I, I think um, one of the key components to that, um, that thought with regards to, you know, women would be how is the level and degree and substance of the communication that you guys are having? You know, I think, I think that's a very important factor in terms of, of, getting an impression because basically it's forming an impression of, of who you're dealing with. You know, you're going to, you're going to form an impression of a guy that you're talking to um, or that you're dating. And, you know, unless you know what his thought processes are, and as long as they're consistent, then I think you could feel a little bit more comfortable that, uh, that things are going the way you would hope them to go. Well, I think the problem's, with dating these days is a there really isn't dating and people don't even know what it is anymore and um there's these these hard and fast rules that make no sense so i think there seems to be this magic number two so and this i run a meetup group a meetup bowling group and it was initially called bowling while single and i realized very quickly i wasn't going to meet anyone that i wanted to date at, in my in a meetup um, especially a bowling one. So I eventually changed it to together we bowl. It has nothing to do with dating. That's a whole nother story. But it seemed like uh, I was attract attracting low value males to the group um, and they were incredibly desperate and they'd come to the group and it put all the males into this competitive state. So there's a bunch of low value males that no one wanted who were very desperate and thirsty for sex competing over each other at the hopes that they could take the organizer of the group home. And um, if I didn't show some kind of interest after the second time they showed up, they disappear. So it's predictable that after two visits, um, they make an absurd move by either A, following women to the parking lot and trying to ask them out. And, and mind you, I bring my father to the meetups to avoid this guy. I'm like, hey, that's my dad. He's right there. You know, yeah. um, it doesn't stop. stop <laughs> it doesn't stop them. So after the groups, they will message you on the app. And I've had guys message me on the app who I was moderately interested in that I'd like to get to know because I don't know you. And they start talking and we have a decent discussion. And then they just dive right into sex chat on the meetup app with the organizer of the group. Okay. And then I'm like, listen, I don't know you like that because I don't know you. And then that ends everything. You know, and, and then I've had another guy just ask me out blatantly. And I said, you're not my type. He wasn't. He was like, you know, just not my type. And uh, I said, I'd be your friend, though. And then he showed up one more time. And he was just, you know, and then he didn't come. And then there was like uh, this guy who one day he was in the Army Reserves. And the next time he showed up, he was an attorney. Um, and uh, he asked me three times to drink with him. And I told him I don't drink. 
And, um, you know, but the second, the second time he showed up, then he, I said, I'll see you next week. Cause I knew he wouldn't show up again. So I don't understand with this, why a people think that two minutes of interaction with someone, especially in that kind of context is enough to get laid and B, why isn't prostitution legal? If prostitution were legal, then I wouldn't have to put up with these thirsty guys. How many people would be on POF if prostitution was legal? No one would be on plenty of fish. No men. Mm-hmm. Okay, they mm-hmm. would they would go out and get laid. So yeah. it's like because prostitution isn't legal, then women looking for relationships have to put up with these desperate men and, and then have to like figure out ways to to not insult them. So then you don't, don't get verbally or physically attacked. You know, it's like, and if you're that desperate, why don't you try to get to know? And also I'm a reasonable person. Why don't you want to get to know me? Like, what am I giving off at this bowling group that indicates I'm not worth getting to know, you know, and that I can, now I can see it coming from a mile away. You know what I mean? Well, I, I mean, I, you know, you, it's just, and I went off and veered off, but it was like, I'm sorry if that was a mouthful on that. No, no, no. That it, You're, you're describing a trend. Okay. And when you have a trend, then you have a new kind of um, uh, mindset with regards to men's thinking in relationships. So something has occurred. And I don't blame it on the pandemic. I think it's been going on a lot longer than that. Something is inc- has occurred with regards to um, how men look at, at women. Okay. Um, I, I think it's, you know, obviously they probably look at them as, uh, you know, su- sex objects. Um, and, and I think the media has promoted that. I think social media has promoted that. So guys are going into relationships these days with with pretty much one thing on their mind and they're neglecting the probably the most important thing which you alluded to let's get to know this person who are they let's let's see if we're compatible before. This also, I mean this also seems to um, exclude the fact that casual sex is often not good that's the other thing it's like a lot of women are just like it's it, this societal um, double standards aside it's not good when you have sex with someone you don't know, it's often scary. You don't know where the hell these people have been. And they're so selfish that there's, what the heck do you get out of that situation? So, you know, for women, it's just like, I don't see a benefit. And also as a woman who's reasonably attractive or average, you can just go to a bar and be like, hey, have sex with me. And then you could take the hottest guy home. So, I mean, I just, I don't understand why guys think that you could talk to someone for 10 minutes and it, and it translates into sex. I think that they must do this in such high volume that eventually that they catch a woman in a right moment, or yep. you know, uh, and and then and then it happens. But that strategy probably doesn't work. So these guys probably have uh, take a, take a brutal ego attack constantly because they're probably putting up oh, yeah. very high levels of rejection because nobody is going along with that unless you're going to pull a drunk woman out of a bar or off the side of the street. I don't see who that works on no no i agree with you uh you know and again that that kind of probably gets back to the mentality and thinking of men these days you know and, and you know the, the main the big question is you know why are guys um uh functioning that way why are they thinking that way why are they uh, assuming that uh you know every woman that you talk to is going to want to 
Netflix and chill with them, you know? Yeah, I, I don't uh, understand that kind of entitlement, uh, you know, particularly amongst uh, undesirable people, males with low social status and bad looks, that they think that they can just, you know, walk out there and get any chick they want and get <laughs> butt hurt when, when no one wants to bang, you know, and then they don't, and they have too much pride to go go to go to Las Vegas. You can buy a product. Yeah. Well, I don't see any, I honestly don't see anything really wrong with that. You know, um, it, sh it should just be legalized. I mean, if that's, if all you want to do is have sex, then what's the problem? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think, um, you know, I, I, you know, prostitution's kind of a, kind of a sensitive issue. Um, you know, society has made it that way, I think, in, in part. It shouldn't be um, to a certain extent marriages a, there's a there's a stigma to to prostitution but then you then again you look at um you know during the pandemic for instance um <laughs> you've heard of only fans right of course yeah yeah i mean you know these girls are doing whatever and, and displaying it and broadcasting it and they're making truckloads of money doing it um, you know, is that a form of prostitution? No, I mean, not really. No, that's just, that's just, uh, that's online sex work. That's, that's different. That's like okay. content. That would be like content creation with, oh, content know, nude, creation. it's nude content creation. Ah, I see content. That's what they call it, right? It would be prostitution if they actually met up and had sex. If there was physical life. activity. Yeah, I got you. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, uh, I, I don't know, there's, there's a, you know a gray area. Is, there. Is that it's, you know, okay, so marriage is on the decline, and uh, people are basically polyamorous. And, um, you know, men seem to eschew marriage, and women kind of seek it out. And it seems like, you know, men created marriage, and they're the ones who benefit from it. So that's the funniest thing here is that you know, men are more likely to be promoted, men have a stable environment, you know, men don't have to do all of the child work. You know, they don't have to give birth to the children. And, um, you know, the women tend to serve the the uh, the males of the household, right? In a, yeah. in a functioning household. So, um, and, and men normally uh, are continue to act like they're single once they get married. And then they have a couple side chicks and, you know, they seek out the, the new pussy and they go out and fuck those people. And, you know, so I don't see what the problem is with marriage for the guys, really. It's particularly now that women are working. So, you know, women working and they have money too. So now, now you can get, you know, one of the great products of feminism is now men can, you know, get money from women, you know, and right, uh, right. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't see wh what, what the opposition to, to this kind of thing is, you know what I mean? To, to what marriage for, for men, I see what the opposition is to women. That's why women are initiating all the divorces basically, you know? So, well, you know, ideally, uh, you know, marriage, um, you know, in an ideal sense, or if you if you turn the clock back 30, 40 years, 50 years, you know, marriage was designed to create a family, okay? Um, and that's not bringing religion or Catholicism or anything like that into it, but, you know, couples would get married and, and they would have children and create a family and carry on their name. And, you know, family life is, is a good life. Um, and, uh, I, I think that, you know, people have that, that thought or that kind of idealism 
has kind of um, dissolved a little bit in, in the current society that we have. I also think um, it's part, that was part of the agrarian society that we were in, in the pre-industrial <laughs> industrial era where you needed to have eight kids to help you till the, you know, till the fields and uh, to do the right. house and this and that. And then apparently they stuck around and, and took care of the parents while they're aging. Now we just take the elderly and toss them into the old folks' homes where they get abused there. And, you know, everyone's oh, yeah. so individualistic. Kids aren't helping the parents. And then, you know, the kids are sticking with the parents because it takes longer and longer for kids to get launched. And so it's just right. a different, it's a different kind of world. Like to, to need to have a kid. I mean, that, that's just kind of like, it holds everyone back, particularly women. You have a career and then right, right when your, your career is supposed to take off, you, you're, you're limited by time to have kids and then that screws everything up, you know? So, I mean, you know, I think only 29% of the world actually has kids. So most people aren't even having kids anymore. Well, that, that, that is another factor that, uh, that contributes to that number that you said there, that uh, percentage of uh, people getting married has decreased. And even the amount of people that are dating has probably decreased. I don't know any exact numbers, but that's probably gone down as well. But this, this th three times a charm thing is what I find most bizarre, like three dates and you're supposed to be having sex with a stranger that you don't know, you know, what is that? Six hours, $60. I mean, th that's just not enough time to get to know someone. If you're genuinely trying to get to know another person, how do you do that in three dates? And why is it like prudish to, to want to wait six months to get to know someone instead of moving in with some fool that you don't know to find out what they're really like two months later? Well, that's before. You know, you're 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 giving um, a lot of useful information to women. You know, now in terms of yeah, in terms of uh, you know keeping their radar up for, for guys like this. You know, I mean that that's probably one of the things that y'all should be kind of focused on when you get involved with somebody is uh, how is this person thinking or what are, you know what direction are they going? You know, the the direction of of uh, of spontaneity and and premature physical contact, let's call it, is is not as conducive to long term stability as is waiting and, like you said, getting to know someone. You know, um, people won't do that. I, nowadays. It's, that's that's just not the way it is. There's, you know, uh, this false sense of variety provided by online mm -hmm. dating apps and social media and so on. So that if, you know, you don't instantaneously get what you think you want, then you kind of seek it elsewhere. You know what I mean? And then you think you can go back and you can't, mm -hmm. you know, and then you close. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I don't understand the thought processes of um, a lot of men when they're trying to date. And also there's just a lot of pathological lying. I mean, men are predisposed to lie, to ha have sexual access to any woman. Okay. So yeah it's a biological predisposition. It's, you know, it's not really just a choice. So that's, that's like, you know, you have inherent immorality that you have to uh, deal with. And what I've found is that basically most of the guys I go out on dates with, they just start, they start lying right off the get, cause they're often, you know, not that bright. So they'll just start lying. And then they start lying about things that they don't need to lie about. 
Um, and stuff that's almost absurd. It's like, well, you couldn't you have just, you know, said something sincere then and then gone back to the, the lie, you know? <laughs> and eventually you catch them in like four or five different lies in the matter of, um, you know, two minutes of discussion. And this is everybody. This is- Yeah, no they're, they're, their narcissism catches up to them because you're tuned into that, right? <laughs> well, you know, like I said, if I was- I mean, if I was a woman these days, I'd be, I'd probably be single. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not even guys, guys, guys these days. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, not speaking for myself, but uh, my advice to women are assume guys are dogs until you prove that otherwise. Okay. And it's up to you to prove that somebody is worthy or not worthy. They could be rich. They could be very wealthy, educated and, you know, they, they might not have as much as, uh, you know, somebody who's an underachiever who is genuine. You know what I mean? I mean, if you're looking for, uh, you know, a genuine person, um, they can come in all different shapes and sizes and educational backgrounds and socioeconomic classes. But, you know, it's, it's something that you guys have to uh, have to just keep a close eye on. I just think that with, you know, men, men are about as attracted as to women for as long as it takes to impregnate her. So that goes for, you know, six to nine months of attraction if you're with a fertile woman. And then that, then it kind of wears off and they don't even want to keep up with the sex. So then they want to switch it up to spread their seed. So with all of these things and the cynicism of people in our society now, with the cynicism people have about our concept of romantic love and, and all these other things. And and the absurdity of the dating apps, it's just like, you know, I don't see the benefit um, for women to be in these kind of relationships uh, or to attempt to have a long-term relationship with someone who's got a roster of six girls, regardless of, um, of yeah, their marital yeah. status. And, you, you know, it's like, wh who are they screwing? And, you know, and then they come home and have unprotected sex with their wife and they might have a boyfriend and then they have a, you know, three girlfriends and they're picking up random chicks and there's, you know, grade B sexual predators or who will do things like try to reach out to women the day that they leave a job. So then they can like have access to them because they're not working there anymore and try to have sex with them. Like I've seen this kind of stuff. This is all predatory behavior. You know, so, um, so it's like, you know, I don't know, but it's not to say that women are necessarily in a, any better because women, you know, they're hypergamous and they're always trying to get the, the highest quality male with the highest social status. So, I mean, as a guy, I'd be like, you know, I would be annoyed with that. So, um, I don't know. I think it's just a no-win situation and that we're all going to yeah. have sex and virtual it, reality and then stop breeding and then humanity is going to just go out of existence, you know? Well, you know, it seems that way. It seems like uh, there's, there's less of an emphasis on, um, on long-term uh, romanticism and family and, and things like that. I mean, it's, it's all about the, uh, the ideals of society, which are being, uh, you know, demonstrated by both sexes in terms of, uh, you know, how, how they, how they deal with, uh, with relationships. Yeah. It just seems like as soon as you run up against a problem, people just run away. You know, people aren't willing to deal with uh, the idiosyncrasies of other people. And this is part of this is brought on by technology because we can customize um, a kind of a, a paracosm of this sort of 
false fantasy um, and we're not even aware of what our reality is. So, you know, in reality, you're living on a couch and uh, you're unemployed and this and that, but what's actually going on, which is being stimulated by, you know, the social media and everything else and the technology and your car and everything is like a, an entirely different world. You know, it's like a dream. Oh, yeah. And so it's kind of like, and, and then, you know, when you have to interact with another human being and then uh, it has a different opinion than yours and it has fallacies and all these other things, it's just, you know, you can't customize it. So what do you want it for? You know, what's the benefit? You, you know what I mean? Yeah, just, yeah, absolutely. Like the more, the more we get, the more detached we are because of technology, the more reliant we are on that, the, the less we are likely to seek out real human communication and companionship, which only means it's going to be that much more difficult to communicate with other people or to have patience for, for other people and their, you know, supposed failings. So true. I couldn't have said it better myself. Really? <laughs> <laughs> sincerely? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, sincerely. Yeah, no, I, I think social media has played a, a huge role in the destruction of um, male and female approach to, um, the opposite sex. I think, on a, on a, I, well, I think it's a problem on a number of levels. One, you're not necessarily friends with someone because they're on your social media. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, you've got a bunch of random people there. You don't know what their motivation is. It's often not even <laughs> what the ulterior motivation is. And, um, for instance, I will not be friends with an ex someone that I had feelings for, they're still on my social media. I see their wife is pregnant. I see this is their house and all this stuff is going on. It's like, yeah. it's like they're not actually, if I actually think it, they're not part of my life, this person doesn't exist in my life and barely did when we were associating. And so mm -hmm. to have an ex on social media is just to create the idea that you're interacting when you're not. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, and then there's this, this kind of cheating that goes on where it's like, you know, you're on there and, and men are, you know, in a, their predatory way, they're seeking out. I figured out how men look these things up. They go on to Facebook, they look up location, then they, you can actually look people up by professional or on Instagram. You can go on there and look places. Then you can pick the Chinese restaurant down the street, the college up the street. Um, you can type in professions or you can look up employers of people that you would be interested in dating because they'd have a certain job and you can just find exactly what you're looking for. And then, you know, men seek out women this way and then they're hitting on them. And it's like married men are on Instagram following Instagram models and DMing them. And it's just like there's no it's just like there's no protection from uh, infidelity with these things. Mm -hmm. It's a constant smorgasbord of opportunity to try to. Uh, just get more sex or to to find someone better you know what I mean it's like yeah well you're describing the uh you know the influence on on the mentality of of a lot of guys that, that partake in those uh social media platforms you know that that's you have precisely described the way guys think you know seriously yeah you know guys are uh they're they're not uh <laughs> Their their mindset, their interests, their focus is generally probably not on long term relationships anymore. You know, they they want a quick fix. They want that uh, you know that that stimulation, that excitement, that psychological reward that they get, and that's going to make them feel good. You know, 
and that's that's uh, you know part of part of the narcissistic uh, behavior is 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 exactly that you know um, just right there's probably it's kind of sad because there's a lot of good women out there like yourself yeah. that uh, exactly. really that that could uh, you know probably uh, would would love to find somebody that's down to earth and genuine, you know? I don't know. It's too late. At 37, it's just over the hill. You know what I mean? Like that train, the train. <laughs> I am that's so young. I think it's possible that to become too cynical for relationships. And I actually think I hit that wall of way too cynical. Yeah. Can't, I sure. can't, I don't believe anything. Everything a guy says, well, I don't just, believe yeah. anything anybody says anymore. You know, um, it's just Nah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, what you know, magic that, that, fairy would have to come and wave a wand in front of my face and blind me from you know, my that, whole You're, to, you're to probably not again. alone. You're probably not alone in that thought process, though. You know what I mean? Probably a lot of women that feel that way. And and you know, my advice, I guess my advice would be, you know, you know, keep keep it keep an opening available that if you see something that's different, you know, look into it. You know, with regards to how somebody is approaching you. I don't know about you, but I find the whole dating process dehumanizing. It's like, you know, you you put yourself out there like a piece of meat, and um, and then you got all this trash that floats up to you and wants to see, you know, they and that wants to just take advantage of you, and you got to be like, no, 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 no. And then uh, people are hypercritical, and you know, when they don't know you, because if they don't know you, it's easier to be critical and. Then you know, trying to develop rapport. How do you develop rapport with a stranger under yeah. the text of "I want to date"? That's why people go on Facebook to try to uh, hook up with people because it's just you don't have the context of this is a dating site that that ruins it because it's like you yeah. know you're supposed to have a, an organic context whereby you meet through happenstance and it's less awkward, you know, and then you can just feel the chemistry instead of just showing up and say, "Hey, I want to get laid," or "Hey, I'm looking." Yeah, you know, I'm here. Here you I know, am. I want a date and, uh, you know, any other random person who has somewhat of that intention, like send me a message, you know, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work, you know? But. Yeah. You know, the, the, the thing with uh, Instagram, for instance, I mean, you know, you get people hopping in and out of DMs all day long and, you know, there, I, I'm sure there's people that are, you know, just looking for something positive to come out of their, uh, they're hits, you know what I'm saying? You know, they're, they're, it's, it's a kind of a scam. It is a scam. Well, I, you know? first of all, isn't it, I do agree that Instagram exploits uh, teenage girls and stuff because there are all these girls up there doing, taking pictures and they get a million, you know, the younger you are and it doesn't even matter what you look like. If you're up there half naked, you're going to get a yeah. million likes because any average woman, I get like a hundred likes on, on all of my pictures and I'm average, you know? And so, um, so any a really hot girl that's just that's not good particularly at that age and then you can monetize and then you monetize it and then you're selling sneakers and then what do you do at 40 you know it's like mm -hmm. it's just it's just kind of i don't know um i built i you know as a journalist i it's important to have a following and since i've had these shitty jobs where i've never been able to get any real publicity or actually build a following outside of just what i do on my own social media i figured okay uh i'm just gonna do what the guys do and i'm gonna build a following just by following men and I figured out how men search people the way I was describing earlier so I'd go in and 
find guys near me, guy at the bowling alley, you know, all the attractive guys. And, and I would just follow them nonstop. And I went from having a hundred followers to 870 in like two weeks. Um, Instagram <laughs> kind of banned me here and there, but it's like basically every single guy that I followed married or not, or whatever, followed me back. And then immediately sent me a message, you know, and part of it was uh-huh. kind of surprised. Part of it was wow. like, why the heck is this lady? How does she find me? And why is she contacting me? Yeah. And, yeah. and they were threatened by it. They weren't like creeped out by it, you know, but, or some of them figured it out. They're like, Hey, so you want to go out or da, da, da. You know, I, I've never, I'd never meet any of these dudes, you know, um, you know, but I did connect to like a, a model and like a real, and, and all I could think is this model would never really date me. Like he's a model in LA in a, in a flat somewhere. And Did he end up asking you for money? <laughs> no, I do get asked for money a lot or, you know, or like they try to scam you sometimes, but it, you know, the, the model is just, I don't, you know, it's like, okay. I, I think he just likes the flattery. Cause like, even though he's hot, how often is he getting, you know, followed yeah, right, right. by mm-hmm. random women? He's probably not, you know, women don't are told not to do that. Never pursue a guy, this and that, you know? So it was pretty easy to just load up my Instagram with random dudes and uh, they're, mm-hmm. they're all in relationships and willing to cheat. So just mm-hmm. pile on the cynicism, you know? Yeah. And it's, I mean, you know, a young, attractive girl like yourself probably wouldn't have any, any trouble at all. You know, I'm, I'm over the hill loading for up Instagram. There. It's no, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's basically, as long as you're not like, as long as you have most of the teeth in your mouth and your heart is almost beating, it's, it's good enough. You know, well, there's, there's different, uh, different, you know, parts of Instagram. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, 30 somethings and 40 somethings and, you know, cougars and stuff like that, that are probably out there doing their thing, you know? I mostly see teenagers and 20 year olds and that's, what's being pushed around primarily, but. Yeah, that's what's, you know, that's what's being promoted. You know, that's what uh, they're, they're throwing that, shoveling that down everybody's throat, you know? Um, yeah. Where, where does, where does something like that end? It doesn't, you know? Uh-huh. And what's that promoting? It's it evolutionary biology. That's what it sounds like to me. It's promoting it's, it's like the primitive. representations of fertility. Yeah. It's in your face yeah, and no one's, ha- no one's having kids, but here's, here's a, a symbol of fertility. Here's mm-hmm. a young woman that you could uh, live with and not have children with. That's, that's what it says to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, that, that's today's society. Today's society is promoting that. No, it's men. It's the patriarchy <laughs> promoting that. The women aren't promoting that. Women just go along with that because it turns out to be profitable, you know, for right. times right. less. So the women who are smart, they're like, all right, I'm going to cash this in. I'm Here's my ass. Heck and, yeah, they are. Yeah, know, it was six uh, figures or more. Yeah, yeah. Six and, six and seven figures. You'd be amazed at, uh, you know, during the pandemic, um, a lot of these girls uh, did turn to making money like on OnlyFans and whatnot. They were, I mean, they quit their jobs, you know, and now they're in there and now they're still doing it. You know, that's their full-time job. And and there's plenty of guys out there that pay for it, you know, because like what you said, that's what guys are after. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I prefer that uh, to, you know, going out and lying to someone nonstop at the hopes that you get to have uh, five minutes of bad sex. Thanks for listening to Newslink Live with Genevieve DiNatale. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you're at it, leave us a rating and review.